Welcome to Doug and Joe Talk. I'm Doug. And I'm Joe. Pleasure to be here this week. It's going to be a, a uh, particularly pleasurable, I think, with this cigar uh, shaping up the way it is. Well, not only was the first draw just phenomenal after we lit it, but I'm excited because I know what it is. We've had really good luck with Ecuadorian Habano wrappers. And what I mean by good luck is we've liked them a lot. And this cigar has an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. So I'm excited for that reason. And I'm just going to go right into it. No sense in... no sense in. Can I say something funny first? Sure, go ahead. Well, we were talking about peppers right before we started <laughs> the podcast tonight. And uh, I forgot the name of the cigar, so I looked down at my notes here and I read the Oscar Habanero. And I thought, oh no, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I panicked for a minute. Uh, habano. Anyway. Habano, yeah, habano. Not Habanero. That's different. Um, although they're actually... There's some cigar out there where that they that they put like hot hot pepper oils in it. That's stupid. Yeah, it, it seemed kind. Of, the guy that I mean, the, I saw somebody smoke it, and he's like, it wasn't unbearable, but it was kind of crazy having hot spicy in a cigar. But yeah. yeah. Oh. But um, the story behind this cigar, before I actually give you the official what it is, um, I um, Oscar, what's his name? I think it's in my notes. Valladares. Made this cigar, he, he, his marketing thing was The Leaf by Oscar. And I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds, it's neat marketing. The, the cigars were actually wrapped in a worthless cigar leaf, but it looked cool. So you throw that wrapper away when oh, you open okay. it. So it, it was neat marketing, but he released three, and I actually don't remember. One of them was, I'm pretty sure, Connecticut. I don't remember the second one, but the best one was a Corojo. It was a really great cigar. In fact, I have two or three of them in my humidor because I wanted to have more of them. <coughs> Were you talking to some guy that had one of those in his hand at David's the other day, the other night? Maybe he was he had a cigar that maybe. was wrapped in a. It was like it was. Oh yeah, it was. It was actually one of the others. I think it was a Sumatra, maybe. Okay, or it that's the same. Yeah, yeah. We cool. talked about that when we were when we were at David's Fine Tobacco. But uh, so I like the Corojo so much. I'm thinking. Okay, if, he, if they got the filler down and they use the same filler and they put it in Ecuadorian Habano, I'm going to like it that much more. So I don't want to get overly excited. I want to just let it be what it is. Right. But don't want to set yourself up. I know, but it's hard not to get excited. So, mm. And first draw was super sweet and um, something I'm not sure that I've ever got before. I would have identified it as like a sweet green, like a green pepper, which was interesting um, so it was kind of the earthy earthiness you're getting when you eat a green pepper, but it was it was real sweet on the first draws, um, and uh, foot smoke's a little tainted because I lit a match, so it's got there's a little sulfur still in the air, but uh, but um, that's it. We just usually we light a few minutes before we start. Yeah, or we, a few seconds. Yeah, that, that was just a few seconds today, so we're not there's not a lot happening yet. But you have anything to say, Joe? Yeah, when you're I can fi- I can find that green pepper. Just ever so faintly, and I, don't, I think it'll probably go away as the as the smoke deepens and we get into the stick a little bit. But uh, yeah, sweet, <clears throat> oily enough. It's got a nice dark uh, wrapper, and so I'm looking forward to what it may become. Yeah. All right. So here's the details. Um, this uh, is just called the Oscar. It is a medium-bodied Honduran Toro which uses a sleek Ecuadorian Habano wrapper on top of a Honduran binder and Nicaraguan and Honduran fillers that provide a smooth yet complex smoke. Nice and simple, it is a Toro size, which is uh, 6 inches by 52 ring gauge. I didn't write the price down, but I looked at it just last time. I must have forgot to put it in our notes, but I think it was around 10 or $11. And uh, I got high hopes for this one. So uh, Interesting... I was going to say interesting week, but really it's been an interesting day. Like, it seems like the last week there were interesting things, but like today was just hammered with the, all of the Trump stuff. I, yeah. But uh, there were some things from last week that were interesting maybe to talk about as well. Um, any, any clue where we're going to start? No, I just want you to kick it off. What, what do you got on here on the list here? Let's talk about this Trump indictment uh, thing, my Bob. Yeah, so what I here's what I know. Like, it, it sounds like people that are way smarter than me are talking about, first, a couple important things, whether the president can actually be indicted. So the office, whoever holds the office of president, maybe you can't indict them anyway. No. So, the way I understand it, you can't indict him until after he's left office. Right. 
And then somebody else threw something out interesting that was, depending on what they're indicting them for, if he wins a second term, the statute of limitations (laughs) would be up and they couldn't indict him anyway. So it's like they're they're talking all these. I'm legal... rolling my eyes. I know. For your <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is no sound for rolling your eyes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Have but, to say uh, that I'm doing it. So, so there's that. But but then there's still, um, you know, it, it all started with Russian collusion, and basically there is no Russian. Well, it started with he stole the election. They couldn't do that. So yeah. then they went to he colluded with the Russians, and then now that's not sticking. So now they're going with this other thing of. Some they're trying to like twist and turn some payments that he made and say that they were campaign finance violations. Well, right? is that I mean is that what you know? Yes, yeah. and I my words I think this is the funniest description <laughs> of what Trump let you know could get in trouble for. They're talking about that it because he paid off women he fiddled around with that. That could allegedly be allegedly fiddled, fiddled, around fiddled, fiddled around with. Well, um, apparently, Stormy Daniels. I don't know if that's alleged. Anyway, it's all it's all alleged, I suppose. But that if he paid them off, it could be a campaign finance violation. And the the funniest argument is: Look, this guy fiddled around with women all the time. He paid women off in the past all the time to yeah. to it's keep consistent quiet. Consistent with his behavior. See, here's right, the thing. Here's it's, the, it's not a campaign in order, thing at all. In order to <laughs> here's how the law works mm-hmm. with campaign finance. In order to, for it to be a campaign finance violation, which which even if it was a campaign fi- finance violation, let's get to that later. But in order for it to be a campaign finance violation, this financial activity would had to have been a result of him running for office. It could not have already existed without him running for office. So the fact the fact that he has already paid women off in the past and that everybody knew that uh, makes it a clear... It's it's pretty... There's no way that they're going to be able to charge him with this, I don't think. I mean, convict him of it. Because all he has to yeah. say... All he has to say is, I would have done this anyway because I would have had reputation damage if this would have got out. And I would have done it anyway. Here's other t- instances where I've done it. Well, and I, I don't completely understand this because i'm not a lawyer but i've heard uh some podcast folks say that there's a pretty big burden of intent as well it has to be that the not just that you violated a rule but you violated a rule with the intent of affecting the election so you really have to prove the intent and it's really apparently hard to prove yeah um so, exclusive intent this yeah was exclu- only exclusive to... intent exactly yeah. and, that's what makes well, it challenging here's the thing that i think is is particularly funny about this is that in the past there's been this unspoken argument between republicans and democrats because everybody's guilty about this i've heard it said that not one person has ever run for office that hasn't violated campaign finance rules there's been this unspoken sort of thing that happens where the whoever gets elected they the fec kind of tallies up their violations because there always are some and they tally him up, and then they find the administration, or they find the campaign, and the campaign pays the fine, and everybody goes about their business. Obama was charged with the same things. He paid, you know, how many, three hundred thousand dollars or something about for for accepting money from people that were not Americans, money from other countries, which is totally illegal. So if we're going to say that we're going to throw people in jail, and they are seeking jail time for Trump, they're going to throw people in jail for campaign finance. <laughs> violations well then obama's going to jail then yeah well i think now i don't know if this is and hillary i don't know if this is exclusive but i'm like thinking there's only like one person that's gone to jail for campaign finance and you know a violation you know who it was i don't dinesh d'souza they hammered him for that and sent him to jail that was not no but that wasn't political or anything oh heavens no and like i feel bad for that guy He's a, do, gen- he's a genius. He he is. He's like super him. smart, and they like they nailed him. Yeah. And it's like, my gosh, what was it? A two thousand two thousand. It was like a in yeah. when you look at what everyone else pays and what they. Yeah. It's it was, it was so ridiculous. minuscule. It was ridiculous. It was because he was <clears throat> going on the wrong side. Yeah. yeah, yeah, on the wrong side. Well, we. I don't have too much. Well, can I say one more thing about yeah, yeah. this? Yeah, go ahead. What's this guy's name? This Cohen. Mm-hmm. Does this guy? I've said this in other, in previous podcasts, and I don't know if it's right or not. But you can sometimes look at a person and just say, "Oh, that person's not trustworthy," or "That person looks like an upstanding guy." Every single photograph I've ever seen of this Cohen guy, he just looks like a snake. And apparently, he's got other. How should I put this? Apparently, this Cohen guy has got. Um, he's an easily blackmailable guy. Does that sound accurate? 
Okay, yes. <laughs> and so, I mean, the the fact that the the information, this information that they're going to try to use to attempt to bring an indictment against Trump comes from him, who's, I mean, kind of obviously being blackmailed by Mueller, Mueller, whatever you want to call him. It just it just seems like uh, this is. Let's just can we move on? Well, I think Cohen is the one. I'm I'm getting some of my because because I don't. Part of me just doesn't doesn't care about this. So it's like on one hand, Trump is so bad. It's like it's not going to surprise any of his followers that any of this is true. If it is, you know, on one hand, but but so the the Cohen guy, I think that they're not planning on letting him. Like they're they're not wanting to decrease his sentence if he gives something on Trump. Apparently, they want to. I think that's optics. Con- convict him. Maybe maybe it is. <clears throat> but also, but his punishment is like. Even that, for what he's done, it's not much. I mean, at maximum of, like, three years, yeah. if he gets the max. What did he do, like, launder some money or something? He, like, uh, had some... He was a rental property guy, I think, or something, and did something wrong with his money. I, don't, I forget what it was. Oh, maybe, but it's like... And, and of course, there. I guess there is more to say, because it's not, it's not just... With regard to Trump, it's not just the indictment. Because the indictment would be a legal proceeding, but there's also the possibility that if things start to look bad for Trump, the Dems will try to impeach. And there's part of me, like, I, I, I don't like when we waste money and we waste time with our politicians to, to do this kind of BS. But I'm, but if I'm only worried about winning, I don't know if trying to impeach him is, would be beneficial for the Democrats. Because if they fail... It, it would not be beneficial. I just and, don't think it would. And that's, and that's kind of where I wanted to go. I mean, it was kind of where my mind was going already. Is that I wonder, if, I wonder if the Democrats and these people that are, you know, like just kind of going crazy against Donald Trump. I wonder if they really realize the damage that they're doing to the country. I mean, it sounds, it sounds like a... I don't know. It, it sounds like a, an emotional statement or maybe an oversimplification, but I think that we're getting to the point where you can actually point to tangible, measurable metrics where we're damaging the union. We're, we're damaging the country. Not we. They. They are yeah. damaging the yeah. country by continuing to just pry and pry and pry and try to <clears throat> create this rift between the people and their leader. Because that's what they're doing. And I mean, you've been leader of an organization before, and you know, the organizations that we've been leaders in are small potatoes compared to being the president of the United States. But, and so it magnifies the problems. You know, if you have a, if you have a contingent in your in your organization that it, their only goal is to create division between you, the leader, and everybody else in the organization. How I mean, what happens? You get you get big problems quick, and we've. I think as a country shown pretty amazing resilience al- already, but I mean, it's it, the longer it goes on, the harder it is to defend against. And yeah. whether, whether allegations are true or not, they're still damaging. Yeah, and this this split again, that's not necessarily even Democratic Republican. It's it's the urban versus uh, rural divide. That that's what's going to hurt them because I think. I can I can be nice and say okay, some of the Democrats are care they just they want the country to go the right their way and they think their way's best that on the on their best day they want the, they want things that are good for the country, but the way they look down their nose at rural people the the deplorables I think is what Hillary said and and the way they just think that people that hold any religious values are are silly and. And just need to move up with the times and become more progressive. That's what's going to hurt them, unless they get to a point where they can actually set, convince everyone that this is good for everybody. I think they're going to fail. And yeah, to me, like my personal opinion, this is a commentary show. So my my opinion is is that they will fail in that because I think that their um, motives are disingenuous in the in, in the first place. It's it's one thing to try to convince somebody of an argument that's true, mm-hmm. even if it's if you're in the minor, in minority. It's an entirely other to try to convince somebody of an argument that is inherently false. And I think that <laughs> they're going to have a pretty rough go in 2020. I I really think that. I think some, they're going to 
I to be honest, and I hope that this prediction doesn't come true, but I think that if things keep going the way that they're going, um, they're going to be their backs are going to be against the wall to such a degree that I think that they will. I honestly think that they will pull some kind of false flag, some kind of big catastrophic mm. thing, to uh, to try to again put nails in the coffin of this division that they're trying to cause between. Uh, the people and their leaders. So I, I mean, I think that's. I think they will do it. I think that. I really do. I think they resort to that. All right, we got to talk about the cigar. I'm. I'm having a hard time staying focused because <laughs> I'm enjoying it a lot. So you want you want to you want to start? I'm, you better go first. Okay. Okay. So, um, a light retrohale doesn't burn my nose much. Mm-hmm. Um, the smoke output's great. It's um, slightly oily. So it's nice feel on the tongue. It's it's setting into kind of a kind of a slightly bitter chocolate, just a hint of sweet earth, um, and and I'm liking it. I'm I, I think I say this every podcast. I I always say, oh, it could be a little sweeter, but this is performing nicely. It's 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 great. I'm 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 loving what we're getting on this one and I was expecting to. So, Joe. You mentioned smoke output. I noticed that there's a lot of smoke coming off the cigar. Is that a is that a variable? I mean, I guess it is, right? I mean, it is. Some tobaccos don't don't give off as much. Some burn hotter, some you know, it's 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 all kinds of variables, but yeah. And um one thing that I'll just just throw out kind of a kudo to to Drew Estate. Almost I think every Drew Estate cigar I've ever smoked, the foot smoke just bellows off of Drew Estate yeah. cigars. And, um, and some of them, you know, give off a lot of mouth smoke and some don't, but it's just, it's crazy. Almost all of them are just bellowing on the foot. And this one is just, when I draw this, it's just nice smoke in the mouth, great mouth feel. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think the oil has to do with the mouth feel for me anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good mouth feel on this one. I think, you know, here's, here's the, my take on it is that this is a subtle cigar. I think so many of them that we smoke have the have those distinct sort of tastes or notes that kind of pop right at the beginning. This one's kind of it's it's kind of subdued. You kind of have to. I'm having to kind of think about it to 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 taste what I'm after. Well, and people that cook know this. Sometimes, like my wife made this thing called a Dutch baby, and which which is a weird sounding egg and flour <laughs> breakfast <laughs> breakfast thing that's i know that's the worst name of i know food. isn't it isn't it horrible but but um but it's it's an egg and flour dish and you squeeze lemon on it and it's a, so it's a sweet it can be served savory but you squeeze lemon and sprinkle a little sugar on it so it's egg flour and basically a little lemon but when you eat it the lemon is completely separate from the egg and flour it's like they're not blended and you can taste them completely separately that's not what we're getting here. Yeah. What we're getting here is... Totally every, integrated already. Yeah, it's all integrated into one, and it's it's really good. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, all right. I kind of... Yeah. I kind of... I don't know if I should say what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it. I think I want more spice. Uh, something... I feel like I want something. I don't know if it's like, the, like it's spicy, spice. like hot spice, or are you talking baking? Because I'm always baking well, spice. But do you mean spicy hot? Maybe, maybe spicy hot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of expected that. But uh, well, the anyway. last the last cigar I smoked wasn't on the podcast, and it actually had just a little too much spice. And I'm not a spice hound anyway. You probably like a little more than I do. Um, I could handle a little more, but I but I like it right yeah. where it is. To me, it's about perfect because it's just there's just a hint, and it's in it's in the back of my throat. Yeah. Um, sometimes the spice is on the front of the tongue. It's not with this one, but um, yeah. it's uh, it's nice. So, all right. So the Oscar Habano is turning out to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right into this because it's something funny and it'll kind of break the pace that we're on here. Um, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. If I pronounce her name right, I don't care. But <laughs> just like did. She spoke to an uh, to a Jew, went to a Jewish synagogue and spoke, and basically was saying that oh yes back in back in my family heritage we had we had Jewish blood, <laughs> and I'm just like, come on, are we gonna have another Elizabeth Warren here? Oh, <laughs> really? Like, yeah, because she was like, no. I mean, she's like, first of all, she's 
obviously pretty Hispanic, you know, Latino. And maybe she is somewhat Jewish, but the fact that she's going and just, she has to bring that up. It's like, don't... don't If identity politics is your shtick, man, you gotta be everybody, right? Gosh, I guess. If you want their votes. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry, I just bowled in there and interrupted you. You had had something else. She's probably a guy, too. She probably was born (laughs) male. Sometimes. Some days. (laughs) Yeah, anyway. um, But, uh... Maybe, maybe maybe she's maybe she's uh, transracial. Maybe she's. I am. Uh, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I'm <Yeah>. transspecial. <laughs> transracial. Yeah. What is race, Doug? I mean, come on. No, I, it's funny. It's funny because uh, I don't know. I I have. I don't even know if we should go into this. I guess we have nothing to lose, really. Hey, you lost your ash. I lost already. my ash. Yep, that's mm-hmm. wild. Um, <clears throat> when I was in high school, and I think I might have told this story already, but I'll tell it again. Uh, when I was in high school, we did some work, some, uh, youth group, we went on a work project to the, to the, uh, projects in, in Chicago. I don't remember which ones or whatever. We were painting some apartments or whatever. One apartment we went into to paint, it was definitely a culture shock for a young, you know, 17-year-old kid from Iowa. I'd never really been anywhere. And <clears throat> there's this old black man sitting in, in these, this apartment, and I don't know if he was a like a supervisor or anything, or if he was just there. Hmm. But but uh, he was talking to us a little bit, and we were talking to him, and it was it was fun. And he asked me what my name was, and and I said, "Name's Joe." And he said, uh, "Oh, you need a black name. You need a black name." <laughs> and so he thought for a minute, kind of leaned back, and in this like this cool old old black man sort of way, you know, he said, "Kill a Joe. Kill a Joe. That's your black name." <laughs> Killer Joe. Killer Joe. And so I have been I have been christened with a black I am. Okay. I mean uh Killer Joe. Yeah. K I L L A. A. Well you didn't ask him. Yeah, I didn't ask him how okay. it's spelled. <laughs> That's great. My Rwandan I have a Rwandan name too. So hmm. uh I could be transnational as well, but my, my Rwandan name is Umanani. And uh I could explain it, but I don't want to waste our valuable time <laughs> here. <laughs> Well, of course not. We have to talk about Cortez being All kinds Jewish. Of things, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, well, so speaking of nationalities and the fact that she's probably yeah. So I heard something interesting that I that I want to bring up and kind of get your take on, and it it seemed to make sense to me, but I'd never heard it before. It was new new to me. That's why I want to mention it. I, I, I wish I I'm going to try to give credit. His last name was Mud. I think it's Brian Mud, a podcast I was listening to. Phil Mudd, Brian I don't know. Anyway, but he was talking about the fact that um, immigrants, le- legal immigrants in the United States, he, he's who, the, whoever it was, he's from Florida, and he said, you know, everybody gets called Hispanic or sometimes Latino, but he said that throws everybody into this category that, that are quite different. Yeah. And he said, you hear people talk that Hispanics vote Democratic, and he said... According to what he's studied, Mexicans specifically do tend to vote Democratic. Now, whether that's right or wrong, I actually have see, see Mexicans as being pretty hardworking people, and I wonder why they would vote Democratic. But according to the stats he was looking at, he said they do, but Caribbean Latino people do not. And he said they're, they're, a, they're a different <clears throat> breed, and he said you have to look at Latino or Hispanic people Differently, and he said particularly, he thinks one of the things that the that the left is missing is that certain type of Hispanic people, Venezuelans, Argentinas specifically, are like, uh, uh-uh, we've Screw we've, that. we've been there, <laughs> we don't yeah. want anything to do with that, and or they have relatives there, and they're just like this idea of democratic. The socialism. reason that they're here, yes. is because <laughs> it sucks down there. Exactly. And okay, you said you said earlier when you were talking about this that you think that's something that the Democrats are missing. I think it's something that the Republicans are missing. They should be waving that flag in every Spanish-speaking neighborhood in America. Yeah. Those who are legal to vote, by the way, should they should be pounding that horn <clears throat> till all the way to election day. That if you vote for the Democrats, you're going to get more of what you've struggled and overcome already. And man, I. I don't. Why are they not saying that? Maybe they are, but not. I've not heard it. Yeah, and I haven't either. And I, I'm probably not smart enough to make this statement, but I'll try. I, I really, I really still think, even though I'm, I'm, a, you know, I claim to be kind of a libertarian conservative, 
I do think there's still, no matter how hard you try to not be the Republicans, even the ones that don't want to be highly establishment, unless they're anti-establishment specifically, they still end up, you have to play the game. And so they still end up kind of being part of the machine, even when they try not to be. And that and that's tough. And and when you're part of the machine, sometimes you just, you miss things. You're, you're in the mix. You're in with yeah. the Washington, D.C. types. And you just do what you have to do to get by. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so... In, anyway, but I, I thought that was interesting to, to distinguish the, you know, to divide up the Hispanic and realize that they're, is, they're different yeah. groups of people. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to, we're, we're a little early on this, but because it's a, it's a good pausing point, I want to, I want to throw out our uh, unofficial sponsor for this week. And it's a little bit old news, but I, I think it's, it was a, a quality production. So I, I want to mention it. Uh, have you seen the Indoctrinate You? Movie from about I don't know. It's probably more than probably about ten years old. I don't no. think so. I think I, I was reading the reviews of it earlier today, and I don't think I've seen it. I've seen some that are similar that treat the same subject, but it looks good. I'm gonna definitely check it out. Yeah, it, it was it was done very fun. It, it was done well. This uh, uh, Evan Coin Maloney uh, about ten years ago basically um, did a documentary. And he did it in a very fun way, interviewed people on campus, but he basically studied like how many professors are left-leaning versus how many might be right-leaning, etc. And interviewed some students that, like a white student that didn't get into college, but her... Because he was white. But a black, she, she, but a black student did. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, in fact, it might have been her brother, like it might have been an adopted brother that got in because he was black or something crazy like that. And it's just um, some really interesting stuff. The movie's called Indoctrinate You, just the letter U. And as in university. As in university. And uh, so I just wanted to throw kudos out to him because I remembered that being a, a pretty entertaining and informative movie. Yeah, so. and I think it's, it's fun to find documentaries that are documentaries. Man, I, I feel like so many of the documentaries that I see promoted or that... You know, I'll see that my friends are watching something or, or have, you know, the the moms are talking about some documentary or whatever. And I, I always get a little bit leery because I've seen so many documentaries that are so slanted. Yeah. But um, I think that this subject, and like I said, full disclosure, I haven't seen this particular film. But the, the idea that there is a sort of uh, <sighs> this... Uh, unilateral or it's there's a a unison to all of the thinking that's going on in these universities and it's not a good it's not a good unison it's not a good consensus uh it's really not doing the job of the university which is supposed to be looking at lots of different diversity instead they wave the wave the flag of diversity but they're they're teaching or preaching whichever way you want to say it a very narrow very narrow worldview and so it's certainly something that should be addressed, and so I, I, sight unseen, I'll recommend watching this. <laughs> cool. Well, the, the other thing, that the same guy that was, was mentioning uh, the immigration thing, the difference between um, the Caribbean versus Mexican Hispanics, um, he also said that the, and, and I think this is pretty obvious, the education system is so wrapped up in one side of our political spectrum that it's really hard to have education not be political. And he was, he was using one specific example, but I, I don't even, I'll talk about that in a minute, but I just think in general, the way, the, even the way I was taught, I mean, how long ago was I, in high, was I in high school? You know, a long time ago, 35 years, well, 50, anyway, a long time ago. And I remember the things I was taught and some things I was taught that just weren't accurate, weren't correct. Yeah. And, and how it was promoting the, education machine agenda of the Democratic Party, you know, promoting teachers unions, you know, and it, it's mm-hmm. all one-sided and that's unfortunate. But the big thing he was pointing out was that um, in the education system sometimes you can't help think certain things are educated and certain things are taught. And back X number of years ago, um, 1800s, something like that, socialism, there, there, was a, there was a study that was done and socialism was defined by like 80% of the people that were asked as government control state-owned businesses. Wow. But today socialism 
when students in on college university interesting are are uh, polled socialism is equality that's socialism equals equality that's fascinating and that's like wow so marxist <clears throat> well i mean okay i don't want to deviate too far and I'll, and or whatever but that's just the way the conversation goes i have seen a, i do have i own a documentary uh called indoctrination uh-huh and that I think it's that film or one I think I saw called State of Mind. I think it was Indoctrination. Okay. Talked about the the uh, the education system, where it comes from, mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's from the beginning. Our education system was set up to to kind to brainwash people to to cook to make cookie cutter uh, social good socialist children. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, and so there's I mean there's deep deep flaws. Yeah, we're and- seeing society react to it though. I mean, well, we have, and the fact that it hasn't changed for hundred well, years, except yeah. for getting worse. Yeah, except for getting worse for <laughs> more inefficient, terrible, yeah. making stupider students, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. And I, well, yeah. So, well, um, we'll do a cigar update. We might come back to homeschool education stuff. We might not. We'll see. But it's yeah. definitely, definitely time for a cigar update. And um, this is uh, exactly what it was before. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking from the beginning that what I thought was a green pepper has kind of melded into a more sweet earth mm-hmm. and with with that bitter chocolate in the background. And I, again, I don't want it to sound boring. It's flavors I like. It's consistent. It's not changed. My ash dropped off pretty early at about an inch, um, which no complaint. It's burning great. Um, I love this. I noticed... As I exhaled once, I noticed this big ball of smoke in front of my face because you mentioned how, str- how yeah. much it was, and it's like it, it does give off a lot of smoke. So, uh, yeah, you I'm getting I'm getting more of what I was wanting. Um, I, it's getting a little bit spicier, a little bit more pungent, and I almost getting kind of almost a. There a minute ago, I th- I almost caught like a juniper or something, and uh, it's staying it's staying real earthy and. Nice. It's it's staying sweet, staying smooth, consistent. It's super smooth. That's mm. actually something I didn't mention, but totally. it is really smooth. It's a totally smooth. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> for sure. So, all right. Well, I'll throw this out. I don't think we'll get too off into this, but speaking of the education system, one of the reasons why my wife and I particularly at young age decided to keep kids at home because it's like the the education system, the way it's set up, seems to be worse for kids, I don't know, under seven, under eight, yeah. just because it's, you know, oh yeah, here, five-year-old, sit in the, sit in the seat for, for six hours today and behave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's not quite uh, the best thing for a, for a five-year-old or a six-year-old, mm-hmm. I, I think, and, you know, anyway. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, the, my limited research in human development or cognitive development or whatever, I've listened to some pretty smart people say that the first seven years of life are pretty important. The first seven years of life are where we receive sort of our basic human programming. And so if you take if you take a child and they're trying to get them younger and younger, I mean, we see kids in some of these state-run preschool, you know, pre-kindergarten, whatever you want to call it. I mean, four. So if you get if you get them at four, five, six, seven, and then eight or whatever to sweep up the last little bits of that, you can really program the way that a person's going to think. And that's when I re- I remember kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. It was from what I remember, it was pretty much A B C's, one two threes. You know, we I don't remember social stuff as too much. I remember they did try to introduce some of that, and I think actually my parents pulled me out of that part of things. I remember there was some class that I got pulled out of. I don't know what it was, but but uh, I think I might have been on the last gener- the last sort of end of that of letting the parents be parents and letting the school teach them, you know, educate them. Yeah. But certainly now we've got we it's just it's social studies all the time, and yeah, it's dangerous. I, I I agree. I agree. And, uh, that could, we could do a whole episode on that if we wanted to. Where do we want to go next? We got we got a lot of topics up here at the top yet. We still haven't got to. We, we do try that. Uh, oh well, we didn't talk about the Brady Bill, or mm. after after the Brady Bill, as the case may be. Go for it. 
whatever was it ninety eight? I, I can't remember the year, but I'm pretty sure it was. It was during Clinton, right? Yeah. The so Brady gun 90, ban or whatever. Two thousand eight, two thousand eighteen. I guess that's only twenty. Is that twenty years? Did I do my math right? Two thousand. It's probably been twenty or thirty. Pro- probably twenty or thirty. Yeah, whatever my math is, I'm I'm not going to do the math, but, um, but yeah, the the Brady Bill was kind of it's one of those things that was supposed to kind of. You know, it's like, oh, it's going to it's gonna fix things. You know, we've got gun control, and now we don't have to worry. Thank goodness we've passed this, and everything will be fine. And How's that it, working? <laughs> that's what I was going to ask. N- it never works. It never does. Uh, in <clears throat> fact, it's, it's, timely, it's a timely discussion because, I don't know, is it like the birthday of the Brady Bill or something? Or, or, yeah, I, okay. within the last week it, okay. it was. Yeah. So <clears throat> I was just listening I today. It's another as an old law enforcement podcast that I was listening to. I just happened to stumble upon an old episode where they were interviewing Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman is kind of a legend in his field. He's a guy. He's a kind of a soldier of soldiers. He was like a ranger, eighty second airborne, all this different stuff. Um, and he wrote has literally kind of wrote the book on psychology and violence. And he's written several books. M- many of much of his writing is mandatory reading in the military academies, and he's just a super stinking smart guy when it comes to psychology of violence and what happens in a person, how to train somebody to be violent, or what influences you know, violence and violent behavior. And uh, he was talking about how u- completely useless gun laws are. He said, and he was citing, you know, we, we get certain statistics thrown in front of us, um, the media wants us to know about certain violent acts and doesn't want us to know about certain other violent acts. But he was talking about the the countries with the most violent crimes or the most violent gun crimes <laughs> often have the most yeah. strict gun laws. And then, I mean, <clears throat> case in, I mean, we can we can prove that out with our own cities in the United States. Look at Chicago; you got super super strict gun laws. It doesn't do a thing to curb gun violence. In fact, what it does is exactly the opposite. It takes the guns out of the hands of the good guys. He was he was advocating today. I mean. Um, this sort of Israeli model. If you want, really, if you really want to curb violence, you have to, you have to create an entire society of sheepdogs, armed, trained responders. If you have it in every classroom, and in every street corner, in every business, you have people carrying trained people carrying firearms. You shut that are that are trained not just to have guns, but are trained to run toward the bullets. You stop it, bam! Right now. I mean, it's done. They might get one, two, three shots off, but they're not killing forty some people yeah. with one with one gun. You know, I mean, it's just not going to happen. And I I don't know how long it's going to take before people realize that banning guns or restricting good people's access to guns is so, is so bad for a country. I, I wish I had the exact statistics, but yeah, again, we we don't necessarily throw out a bunch of statistics on on this show. We kind of talk about the principle. But, but the fact that, that one thing that often doesn't get tallied in regards to even gun violence, when they talk about, you know, people who use a gun to deter oh, violence. Yeah. I mean, you pull a gun, you don't use it, you put it away, <clears throat> no, nobody has a statistic on that. How many, how many millions? Oh, there's of, statistics. Are there some? It's unbelievable amount. There, were, there was something like in the, in the last year, <clears throat> I think it was 300,000 crimes averted or... Stopped mm. with firearms versus, I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. It's astronomically higher than gun violence. Yeah. And, well, and the other thing too that we have to think about that goes kind of along the lines of this thinking, and it might even go into some of the uh, this life expectancy topic, is that medical technology is holding down the violence numbers too. Oh yeah. Um. And you know that there's a lot of interplay between some of these different subjects, but but just because somebody gets shot now doesn't mean they're going to die because the medical technology yeah. is so much better. And so I mean, again, just we we got to have. I don't know how long it's going to hold back the tide with mm-hmm. some of this some of this stuff. Well, and and I hope it doesn't. I've actually one that there are there are people in my wine club that differ drastically uh, on certain political issues with me particularly socially mm-hmm. but when it comes to guns we're like out 
on the range, you know, shooting together, not during wine club when we're drinking, but, you know, <laughs> but, but not at the same time. <laughs> no, but, you know, a different day, we take the guns out and we shoot together and, and it, it's really great. You know, I've got these friends that, that we can, you know, argue about certain political things on, but then when it comes to guns, mm-hmm. we're like, it's, you know, some of the gun control stuff's just ridiculous. You know, they're, they're hunters, they're, they're, even, even though they're kind of, they're Democrats, they're, they want to hunt, they, they love their guns, they, you know shoot a lot, own a lot of guns, they keep them safe, yeah. they carry, <clears throat> you know. Um, That's so good. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. Yeah. Does, here's the question, though. Does that enter into their voting decisions? If a, if a candidate, they know, they might not be super outspoken about it, but they know that if that candidate had their way, they would ban them all. Does that enter into their voting decisions? or? I don't know. It's, it's hard to speak for somebody else. Um um, I would have to, I would guess that it probably does yeah, enter in, but, but also sometimes, and there's a little bit of this, I'm going to say this the right way, uh, because I don't think it matters whether you're a Democrat or, or a Republican on some level, if they try to blanket outlaw guns and take them away, there's just so many people that just aren't going to give. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It can't. It's like, we're, yeah. we're going to still, ha- we're going to still have them, you know, and we're just going to. Well, let me put a caveat on that. Yeah. It won't happen with this generation still alive. Right. However, we were just talking about that it's the indoctrination um, in, in uh, the school system. We, they, uh, who was it? The Eric, uh, Eric Holder? Yeah, right? Yeah. He was talking about how we've got to, and he has a quote that says, we've got to really brainwash children mm-hmm. about guns. And so every kid that passes through the public school system, yep. every single one has been, it, it has been and is being completely indoctrinated to view guns in in his words in a vastly different way and so we've got to make sure we have to be vigilant to not just carry Mm -hmm. and you know do it legitimately so we don't become a statistic of a guy you know arrested with an illegal gun no we got to do it right and we have to pass that on we have to be vigilant about that we do and that's that's just another thing about the about the kind of leftist education system you know, a kid says, oh, you know, some of my some of my friends got killed, you know, and they're upset. What should I do? And somebody they trust, a teacher says, oh, well, you need to lobby against guns. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that they even have a chance to think much through it. Mm-hmm. But they're just like, okay, I trust that person. I care about my friends, so I have to do this. It's like, I understand that thinking without having somebody else throw something in and say, wait, wait, there's, there's a different option that's far better. There's a more logical option. <clears throat> And that's, but that's kind of the, the, the state that our nation's in right now. Yeah. Um, and I saw, I, I think I was scanning maybe Drudge or something else for like gun control stuff and saw all of these students, you know, anniversary of Columbine protesting, you know, uh, guns and anniversary of the, one of the other school shootings and kids, you know, and on, on one hand, I, I wonder how much of it is just the media trying to, you know, control the narrative because, uh, you know, I know there are some students that that wouldn't be buying that, mm-hmm. but they gotta have a boogeyman. They do. They have to have a boogeyman that they can rally all the people against, and that's that's been the mo for such a long time. And it's and it's I've already seen it damage families that I know, where a kid, and usually it happens with you know kids that are bouncing back and forth between mom and dad's place, and the kids in the school, and he's getting indoctrinated or whatever, and he's ter- terrified of guns. And so come home for the weekend and dad's got his hunting shotgun and oh my gosh, it's a gun. Oh my, and it's not in, it's not locked away and it's, well, yeah, he's a good guy and he's got a gun. That should make you feel safe. And I mean, it doesn't take much to really damage a family or to damage even a parental relationship. You know, if you, if you think your dad's a bad guy or you think your mom's a bad person because they have a firearm. Well, wow. and then the dad's already a bad guy because he's a white, cisgender, whatever, <laughs> you know, and he, and he likes women. You know. um, anyway. <laughs> right. And uh-huh. he thinks women are hot. <laughs> That's a bad thing, apparently. Some are. Well, so, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> on the women is hot note, before we go down the wrong path oh, here. Oh, gosh, did yeah. you Did you see the New England, uh, uh, the Dolphins and the Patriots? No. <laughs> it's just... It's one of those things that makes me 
almost want to watch sports. <laughs> it's like I'm really not into sports at all. But it was so amazing. Like which teams was it again? New England and the Patriots uh, and the Dolphins. And the Do- Patriots and the Dolphins. Okay. And so it's like, you know, game's over, it's seven seconds or something like that left, and the Dolphins have the ball, and they're like, well, yeah, this is it, like, you know, and Dolphins get the ball, and they do this pass, and the announcers are like, well, yeah, this has been wrapped up, blah, 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 they're talking like it's over. Perfect pass. (laughs) The receiver gets it. They just go to nail him, and he laterals it to another guy, and the other guy just zip, 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 bam, right, right to the end zone. It was freaking amazing. It was like, it's like, wow. That's why, you know, when I used to watch sport football only at Thanksgiving with my uncles mm-hmm. to kind of bond with them. It's like, man, that kind of stuff <laughs> happens. You're I'm just, gonna watch for that, right? I know. It's like that's, it, that just makes it. They came out, yeah. and they, you know, they they won the game, and it was just the Dolphins won. Then they turned yeah. it over. That it was a this wow. right at the end, last seven wow. seconds, bam, and it was just a it was a phenom- and it wasn't it wasn't super easy, you know. That once the guy lateraled, it was pretty amazing that the yeah. caught it and then lateraled it, and then the other guy did some wonderful evasive maneuvers and then straight down the sideline. <laughs> right into the end zone it was pretty phenomenal so that's the the uh, cool things is usually something that somebody can go buy but i'm like i had to i had to throw that in there go go watch it on youtube it's so fun (laughs) can i turn this into a theme yes please do because i like themes yeah but um the way of the samurai there's an old 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 martial arts writings i guess from japan they talk about and this is a case in point this football game desperation Mm. And how desperation does something to unlock something that's deep inside of all of us. And it's in those moments, if we didn't have hardship, we wouldn't have any cool things at all. But out of hardship, out of desperation, out of their backs are against the wall, it's impossible. That's when cool, cool stuff happens. And so that's a cool thing too. I mean, just like, just the idea that we we work so hard to not get in tough situations, but it's always out of the tough situations that the most the coolest ha- things happen, the coolest stories, coolest experiences, the coolest victories, and so. Yeah, yeah, I think we're due for an update. Um, and I actually might want to come back might want to come back to that a little bit that that desperation thing. So just it'll keep keep me on topic if I remember what we're coming back to here. Um. I don't always have to lead this, but I will because yeah, okay. it, it works for us, I suppose. Um, I, I think this isn't a negative, but I think I'm losing some of the sweet, which is okay. The it seems like the chocolate might be getting a touch more bitter. Um, the earthy is still there and not as sweet. Um, there's a couple times when I when I right when I drew on the just on the immediate like right on the front of the tongue on the draw there was a. A little bit of tart, or you might call it pungent. I don't know if tart and pungent are the same thing, but like on the front of my tongue, couldn't really identify it. But it was it was a tarty kind of taste, and uh, I also noticed if I drew a little faster, it was it was darker and more bitter. Yeah. And so I've kept the same cadence because I, I I didn't necessarily want more bitter, but I've been playing with it a little bit. But I like, even though it's lost some of the sweet, I, I still like the consistency in what we have in this. So. I'm chasing a taste right now. It's almost like a, I'm getting almost like a nice toast. Like a, a something like a baking spice or a toast. It, yes. Getting the chocolate still. It is getting a little bit more bitter though. A little bit, a little mm-hmm. bit, uh. I might have missed. I might have missed some of that. There might be a little breadiness, a little just a just a hint, a little bit. Yeah. Only really notice it on like an like a retro hill. Yeah, I, th- I think you're. I would. I would agree. I, I like that because sometimes you pull things out that I'm not getting, and then I I realize I am getting them. I just didn't notice it till you it's, put some more. It's so it. funny how if you look for a certain flavor, you can sometimes find it. For sure, I'm. So it says in the in the description that and we don't we don't like to. We're getting late in the show. I know we're getting late in the show. We can we can mention. What about it. the cedar? It says in the description that there's hints of cedar. I don't know if I'm getting cedar. I don't usually chew on cedar, so I don't really know what it tastes like so much. Yeah, just stick your smell. face in your human. <laughs> yeah, stick your face in my humidor sometime. Um, you know, cedar I think is supposed to be something common. I I don't notice myself getting cedar a lot, but I, we should maybe. 
Consider yeah. cedar, earth, and chocolate. I, think I guess it's there. It's we there. nailed the earth and chocolate. Maybe it is. The cedar's there. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, I don't know stuff. if we want to go back to the desperation or if we want to. And, and maybe, I, I kind of wanted, if, if we, we, we got time, maybe we should <clears> talk <throat> about this uh, ISIS thing. I, we, that's been in our notes a couple times. Yeah, it's kind of fun to think about. I don't know if we can do much about it, but. Um, so ISIS is now saying, and I probably have said it forever, that they are going to, around, by the first of the year, or maybe even for New Year's, I guess I didn't even think about that, but they're going to use snipers in New York City. They've kind of put out the the word to their cells or whatever, apparently, that they're wanting to use snipers and and create havoc that way. And I really... Okay, so we've already talked about the Brady Bill and how gun laws are sort of ineffective, yeah. and they really are ineffective. And I think that <clears throat> if you had a trained, armed person everywhere, then you would take care of a threat like this pretty easily. But how... I was just kind of... Uh, in raising this topic, I just mm. my, my biggest question is: What is a reasonable response when you hear that your enemy is going to try to do something like this? Mm. Can a government effectively respond other than to say, "Listen, people, it's up to you. We'll do the best we can." But what would you do? I mean, if you're the mayor of New York City, what do you what do you do? Boy, I I'm probably probably not. I would I would trust my police commissioner. I'm and, and that that's a little bit of a I don't know the answer, but, but, but on, yeah, on, on some (laughs) level, well, and you know, even though I'm libertarian, I I do, I do believe the police, the, it's necessary to have the police. And that's one of the things our, our safety with regard to that should be, you know, we should give them the resources they need, the training they need. But gosh, the, the, the problem is when I'm thinking about New York is freaking huge, that, that massive number of people, but then again, there's massive number of cops too. Can we, I would hope that people that are way smarter than me can, can train and plan and I won't even know about it and they will have something in place to make it safe. That's a, and it's hard for me to trust people, but I'm not sure I have any other option. You know, the other thing that we have to acknowledge, I think in all, in all of this not just ISIS, uh-huh. a big boogeyman again, yeah. but <clears throat> just bad guys in general, is that the police are never going to be able to stop all crime. Yeah. They, they're the ones that are just dedicated full-time to do what everybody's supposed to be doing all the time anyway, but they good can point. dedicate yeah. to it full-time, you yeah. know? And, and we, we think that that's a good exchange of value to pay them so that we don't have to be on... We can go about our business and make money and provide and we don't have to worry constantly about watching every little thing that goes on. So, so I don't... I don't... Um, I wouldn't charge the New York PD or whoever to make sure nothing happens. They can't do that. Right. But I think that certainly... Um, certainly they are going to take note of this and they're going to be on their game. Of course, they're always on their game anyway. But, um... Yeah, they're the biggest police force in yeah, the Yeah, they're States. intense. I mean, they've got... I, yeah. yeah. 35,000, I think. It's an, it's, I don't know the numbers, but I know that they're... Yeah. The, 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 reason it, the reason it stuck out to me is because I was... I'm, I'm born in Ottumwa, and we had roughly 30,000 people that lived in Ottumwa. And when I heard the number of police officers at one point at some time in history they it was higher than the amount of people that lived in a town in your town wow. yeah so that's what was crazy to me i'm like they've got more police than we have that's people amazing. in our city that's amazing um so that was pretty pretty crazy it yeah i mean and that might just be uniformed officers too yeah so um, well okay so i here's the thing that i would i just really want to nail home i don't know yeah we're getting a little bit shorter on time but okay. the thing that i'd really like to nail home is this is that ISIS' main goal is to disrupt people's normal way of life. They don't... I don't think they care... Maybe they do. Maybe their goal is to kill. Yeah. But what their their political goal is to, is to tear down our freedom. And so if we let them do that, they win without ever firing a shot. If, yeah. if New York City becomes a total lockdown and... You know, people aren't allowed. They stop all sales of hunting rifles, and they close down 